Hello London, we are ready for your vote. Hello, I'm Stephen Perkins and this is Douzepois, here with you every week in the run-up to this year's Eurovision Song Contest, bringing you the latest news from the national selection processes all over Europe and beyond as Malmö 2024 draws closer and closer. We'll start with this week's headlines, but first, the usual bit of housekeeping. You can follow us on Twitter at bingewatch underscore pod, where you can also get the latest updates and release information from our sister podcast, Bingewatch. And if you really want to hear more from me after all this, you can follow me too at Stephen Perkins. Don't forget to hit subscribe on your podcast platform if you haven't done so already to ensure the latest episodes come directly to your device. It will be particularly helpful in weeks like this one, where the national final dates play mild havoc with our release schedule. And of course, if you would like to leave us a nice review and help us to reach even more listeners, then that would be very nice of you indeed. In just a moment, we'll be taking a look at the outcome of San Marino and Croatia's national finals, but first let's start with a quick look at some of the Eurovision headlines that have been doing the rounds this week. First of all, some junior Eurovision news, which actually broke a little while ago, but I was distracted by all of the other exciting stuff going on with adult Eurovision in last week's podcast, and I forgot to include it, so my apologies for that, but better late than never, right? The big news is that this year's Junior Eurovision will be hosted in Spain. Last year's contest was won on home turf by France's Zoe Closure with Coeur, but there were some doubts over whether France would want to host the contest for the second time in a row, particularly given that they're already committed to staging the Olympics in Paris this summer. As we've mentioned before on this podcast, the hosting process in Junior Eurovision works very slightly differently. The winner of the previous contest doesn't automatically get to host the following year, but they do get first refusal. On this occasion, France declined, citing that they didn't want to set up a French monopoly on Junior Eurovision, given that they hosted in 2021 as well. And since Spain's Sandra Valero finished in second place last year with Love You, Spain have agreed to host this year's contest. Spain won Junior Eurovision back in 2004 with Antes Muerta Que Sencilla, which I believe translates into the fairly terrifying sentiment of rather dead than plain in English, by Maria Isabel, back at a time when hosting Junior Eurovision was decided by a bidding process, rather than anything to do with who won the previous year. So this will be Spain's first time hosting Junior Eurovision, and indeed their first time hosting any kind of Eurovision since 1969. Ana Maria Bordas, Spain's head of delegation at Junior Eurovision for broadcaster RTVE, said, For RTVE, hosting the next JESC is another step in the effort that the public broadcaster has made in recent years to promote Eurovision in Spain and give more relevance to our music. The host city and dates for this year's Junior Eurovision are yet to be announced, but one country who won't be taking part is Slovenia, who last competed in 2015 and have been hinting that they are considering a return to the contest. However, they have ruled themselves out for this year at least, saying that Junior Eurovision is too expensive for their afternoon schedule. Going back to grown-up Eurovision, Netherlands have been continuing their information drip feed over this year's internally selected entry from broadcaster Avrotros. We already knew that Juice Klein was the selected artist, and now we have confirmation that the song is called Europapa. We'll know more later in the week as the song itself is set to have its official release this coming Thursday. Meanwhile, we also know that Greece's song will be Zari, the Greek word for dice, by Marina Sati, again internally selected by broadcaster ERT, but we have got a slightly longer wait to hear that one because the official release is on the 7th of March. 
Austria, meanwhile, are set to release their song officially this coming Friday, 1st of March, but they have made a short snippet of Colleen's We Will Rave available to whet our appetites. It is, as you probably expected from that title, an absolute floor filler that's set to have everyone moshing in their living rooms this May, if the clip is anything to go by, and we will have a more thorough examination of it on next week's episode. And finally, on the news front, there remains a question mark over Israel's participation in this year's Eurovision, following the leak of the alleged lyrics to their entry October Rain by Eden Golan. The lyrics seem to be a fairly unequivocal reference to the 7th October attack on Israel by Hamas, raising the question of whether they are a violation of Eurovision's rules against overtly political content. The EBU is apparently currently reviewing the song, but Israeli broadcaster IPBC has claimed that they will withdraw from the competition this year if their song is not approved. A decision from the EBU is expected fairly soon. Okay, that is all of our headlines for this week, so on to the national final updates. This week, San Marino were seeking their representative in Una Voce per San Marino, their frankly exhaustive search which spans over a week and regularly features over 100 competing songs and artists. It has been compared to San Remo in the length of the search, if not necessarily the quality, and in all honesty, my complete respect goes to anyone who sat through the whole thing because I did not have the time or the energy for anything more than the edited highlights. They ended up with 17 songs in the final, more than some countries have in their entire process. And I'm not going to go through all of them here, but let's just pick out a few of the noteworthy ones, starting with one that you might recognise if you watch this year's San Remo. Pazza by Loredana Berte. She entered this year's contest in Italy and ended up finishing 7th overall, but having stated that her main goal this year was to make it to Sweden specifically to irritate her ex-husband, former tennis star Bjorn Borg, she wasn't about to let a little thing like not winning stop her, and promptly entered her song in San Marino's selection process instead. Now, this sort of thing strikes me as a little bit dubious, and a violation of Eurovision's rules in spirit if nothing else, but San Marino is often a law unto itself and allowed her to compete in the national final anyway, presumably figuring that they could argue the semantics of it later on if they needed to. Sadly, she did not win the process this time either, but did do significantly better, finishing as the overall runner-up this time. It's still not a ticket to Sweden to get within suitably annoying distance of her ex-husband, but hey, there are still other countries who haven't confirmed their entries yet, so maybe third time's the charm. Elsewhere in the final there was a face from the UK, Amy Atkinson, who played Catherine Howard in the UK tour of Six the Musical, and also attempted to represent the UK at Eurovision in 2018 as part of the girl group Goldstone with the song I Feel the Love. She was going solo this time around with A Dare for Love, a fairly intense ballad with some late 80s vibes going on and some impressive high notes in the chorus, and she finished a pretty credible sixth place in San Marino's grand final. Also representing the UK this time around, singer-songwriter Aaron Sibley, whose previous credits included songs that made it to the national final processes for Moldova, Lithuania, Ireland and Malta. He attempted to represent San Marino before in 2022 with pressure and finished third in the final, and this time he came back with Human, giving what struck me as a slightly wobbly performance in the final and didn't do as well as last time, finishing 13th overall. But enough of the also-rans, on to the winner, Megara with 11-11, or Undici Undici if you prefer. National final fans may remember them from last year's Benidorm Fest, where they finished fourth with Arcadia. They ended up being a bit of a surprise victory in San Marino, given that they didn't win their semi-final and had to qualify via the second chance round. But, looking at it in comparison to a lot of the other entries, I think it's fairly easy to see why this won. It feels like a much more fully realised performance with the pink and black puppy bunny skeleton gimps as backing dancers, and lead singer Kenzie giving a really commanding performance that just owns the stage. 
San Marino haven't made it to the final at Eurovision since 2021, and Megara find themselves in the surprisingly positive position where they literally cannot do any worse than last year, given that Pique Jacques got zero points in their semi-final in 2023. It is always quite hard to guess how a Samaranese entry is going to land at Eurovision, but I think this one is at least their best attempt since they flew Flow Rider out, so good luck to them. Also, can we just take a moment to appreciate the beautiful synchronicity that this year's Spanish entry tried and failed to represent San Marino last year, and this year's Samaranese entry tried and failed to represent Spain last year. Eurovision Cultural Exchange, we love to see it. Over to Croatia now, and I apologise for not giving this one more time and attention, but as I mentioned earlier, I am literally doing this hot off the presses immediately after the Dora 2024 result, so I don't have time to cover it in extensive detail, and I'm just going to do the top line notes here. Anyone who enjoyed the abject surrealism of Croatia's entry for 2023, Let 3 with Mama SC, will no doubt be delighted to hear that they were in the running again this year with a new song called Baba Roga, which was yet another slice of The Wiggles meets Freddie Mercury in a basement bar in Vauxhall Insanity, and was arguably one of the frontrunners this year, finishing third overall. However, when I say frontrunner, it is admittedly a fairly loose term in this particular context because this year's final belonged to one act only, the exquisitely named Baby Lasagna, aka Marco Purisic, who previously competed in Dora as part of the rock group Mantra in 2019, but this time he was going solo with Rim Tim Tagidim, a quintessentially Eurovision rock song that felt like Wet Leg meets The Lonely Island covering Living on a Prayer, and if that description doesn't fully sell you on it, I can only encourage you to click on the link to his performance in the notes of this episode and watch it for yourself. It is absolutely bonkers, gleefully stupid and incredibly catchy, and just to give you an example of how popular it is in Croatia, he got almost 10 times the number of votes of his nearest rival in the televote, pulling in 247 points while the song in second place got 27. It was an absolute walkover. Now, I don't know if this is an outright Eurovision winner, but Croatia's current best placing in the final at Eurovision is fourth, and I think this could be the year that they break that record. Okay, that's it for this week. Thank you so much for listening, and I will be back next week to talk about the Netherlands, Iceland, Serbia, and anything else that crops up in the meantime. Until then, good night Europe, and good morning Australia. Australia.